0: Welcome to Equinox, where Rob and I are striking the balance between the light and the dark. This is episode 15. My name is Joseph Darnell, and I'm joined by my good friend, Dr. Robert Carter. Hello, Rob. Hello, Joe. This is the first time that we have recorded in separate spaces, and I think that you might enjoy this in the long run with more recordings like this, but... I, I've recorded many podcasts like this, and it took me a little getting used to recording together in the same studio with you when we started this show.
1: Oh, really? Because I was perfectly happy that we were together. This is odd for me.
0: Yeah, it w- would seem natural to be in the same space at the same time, and it's so much easier to get the visual cues from each other. But yeah. I, I don't know. Like This was podcasting for me going all the way back to 2012.
1: One of my favorite radio interviews that I've ever done was with Steve Dace when he was on the big AM station out of Des Moines, Iowa, and I got to go to the studio. I, you know, We were looking at each other through a piece of glass, but we were able to look at each other and kind of play off of each other and a little sarcasm, a little joke here. We knew what we were going, and the, the chemistry worked out really good. I've done a lot of other radio interviews where it was just on a phone, and those are just a lot harder because I can't see the person. So I miss you, Joe. Oh, I miss you too.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm, I love your visits. But it's, um, it's just actually a whole lot easier to edit a podcast like this. And so a little selfishly, I appreciate recording like this, because when the two are in the same room, you get feedback from each other's talking on your mic. And then it takes a whole lot more editing to make it sound really clean. So I I appreciate this for its convenience. You know, ordinarily, the podcast recordings for Equinox are about an hour long, and we're probably looking at about four to six hours of editing, just depending on what happened. But a lot of it can be just selecting the regions where your voice is on my mic and vice versa and muting them and then making sure that we got it right at the right spot so that the audio is as clean as humanly possible.
1: Uh, I'm doing similar things with my own podcast and how hard it is and how I'm a newbie and how long it takes me to do my own audio. I, I can appreciate the art. You're a lot faster than me and you're a lot better than me. Uh, but yeah, this, this is going to be good. I hope the listeners appreciate the, the new sound.
0: Keyboard shortcuts, my friend. That is a yeah. lifesaver. If you get used to those in Adobe Premiere Pro, are you editing your podcasts in Adobe Premiere Pro? Yes. It is so good. I know a lot of people who they should be using Adobe Premiere Pro, but they just don't know it yet.
1: They need to get off of Logic Pro and But I wouldn't have known it either had I not been doing video. I mean I was, you know, editing videos and then when I said, Oh now I want to do the audio stream and make a podcast out of it, I just loaded it up an Adobe. I didn't know other people weren't doing that.
0: Mm. Well, the reason is, is that if you rewind the clock, you go back to when podcasters got started, they were using audio recording and editing apps, and they assumed that that was just the way to go. And so they've been telling every new podcaster, do what I do. And what I do is I use a audio recorder and editing app. But those are typically made for music studios and voiceover artists and vocalists and They just don't have the same features. And those shortcuts that we use for editing video are also really good for editing audio podcasts.
1: Yeah, they sure are. So here you go. Everyone listening who's a a want-to-be, newbie, want to get into the podcasting world, treat it like audio works better. Yeah.
0: Speaking of podcasting, um, our show is now on Spotify. So we're right up there with Joe Rogan. We're going to be popular now, and um, they're going to give (laughs) us a big check. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, I don't think that's going to happen.
1: I don't care about super popularity. I just enjoy doing this.
0: Have you ever listened to that show?
1: No. I haven't. Uh, Once or twice when someone said, hey, you got to listen
0: to this episode. Okay. I probably saw a clip or two of his on YouTube and didn't even know it. And until it hit the news that he was moving to Spotify, Spotify exclusive, I didn't even think about it. So... I'm really happy to be on Spotify for all of our listeners. If any of you have friends that don't listen to podcasts because they live in Spotify or they do listen to podcasts only within Spotify, they can now get Equinox. So be sure to tell your friends that it's there. As a little bit of a footnote side note here, uh, I'm very happy that there are people using Spotify to listen to podcasts now. But I want to recommend that if you are new at this, you want to subscribe to Equinox. Look at some of the options because podcast apps are plentiful on both iOS and Android and some on the PC and the Mac. Uh, the one that I love is Pocket Casts. And That's I know what I, I use that too. Favorite. It is so good. It is so good. Yeah. And I, I paid for a membership so that I could get some of the special features like running it on my Mac in addition to my phone. And that is so good while I work listening to podcasts. If I'm doing some Aww. graphic design... I can listen to the podcasts. It's great. Cool. So you wanted to talk about the rocket launch that went on?
1: Yeah, the huge thing. I just literally, this is um, after six o'clock Saturday evening, and it went off about three o'clock or four o'clock. I don't remember anymore. But just a couple hours ago, the United States launched their first two live people from United States soil. It's just a huge milestone. And I'm really happy that Elon Musk didn't blow anybody up because he was worried about it. <sighs> oh, and I like the fact that he, he said last week, he said, if this thing fails, it's my fault. <laughs> that, was, that showed some pretty good leadership on his part. And I was actually impressed that he did that. But no, it went up without a hitch. But it's not only that the US just launched two astronauts. It's also that it was done with a private company. That is, And really that changes thing. everything. Because all of a sudden, we have private industry being able to do something at like one-tenth the cost a government could do it. And private industry is going to get people to the moon and to Mars and to orbiting space stations and things like that. That is pretty exciting. This is really exciting. Uh, so totally exciting. It, it opens up a whole new world of space travel.
0: Do you see this uh, working out for more citizens and uh, you know people like us in the next... Five years or 10 years if we wanted to travel?
1: In time, it's going to be more than five or 10 years before it's cheap enough. By that time, I'll be too old. They'll be like, oh, your heart's not good enough, Carter. You can't go, oh, man, all my life I've been waiting. Please let me go. (laughs) Well, they got to
0: take some senior citizens eventually, right? You could volunteer. I'll just let that lie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when the time comes, we'll see (laughs) if your attitude has changed. So last week we were talking about interstellar and science fiction movies. And the reason this stuff comes up is that we are a science podcast. We're not really talking about fiction and entertainment very often, but Rob and I got to talking about it and we love storytelling in film. And one of the things that gets to both of us, really annoys us, and also excites us, is the way that invention, ingenuity, technology, and science is depicted in films. And sometimes to great effect, and other times it's just flat out lousy. And usually the reason is is because they took liberties and make the so-called science, it's really just fantasy elements. And so what we talked about were films where they've been loosey-goosey with science facts, and it's not effective, and it's inaccurate, and it's actually impossible in some cases. But then after we were talking about all of that on the air, you brought up that you have written a one-page science fiction of yourself. and Well, not of yourself, but for
1: yourself. I've actually written several short stories. I'm not saying any of them are any good. But I've written several, just for the fun of it, just because I like exploring ideas. And it just so happens that I wrote a one-page short story. I tried to put an entire story on one page of paper, and it was about Plan B from Interstellar. That is, how do you get you know life to other planets when the, the distances are so vast? We don't have wormholes. Yeah, wishful thinking as far as the, the producers of that movie are concerned. But if we just had to do it with real physics, it's going to take ages upon ages to get any spaceship from here to a different star. And so, I figured, you know, it's not worth sending people. It's not worth keeping people alive that long. What if we just sent frozen embryos? And so, what I have is this very brief story of a vast machine in space that arrives around a, a planet orbiting a distant star and it starts warming up and it starts cooking embryos and, and raising little babies that get born in a machine and... They start getting educated by computers, and then they get to meet each other, and they become the first generation of people living on a distant star system.
0: I could see this actually becoming a film. It could actually be a film or a series, a television series.
1: The whole time I was writing this, I was thinking it would be a cool film.
0: Did you write this after Interstellar?
1: Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Before Interstellar. Nice. So they stole the idea from you, and they didn't even know it. That's right. They had no idea what I was doing. Hmm.
0: Do you have this published anywhere online? It is just just on Facebook.
1: In, in our see. show notes for the last episode, there's a link to it. In fact, I just went to the show notes and clicked on the link to go find it to make sure I was looking at the right thing.
0: Excellent. Well, then if you want to look at that story, then go to nightowl.fm slash equinox slash 14. So uh, speaking of that episode, we also got some feedback from a friend and listener of the show. Our uh, podcasting friend TJ Draper wrote, tell Rob that the Stargate movie isn't great, but the series is amazing fantasy. Just don't watch it for the science. (laughs) Now, have you you said you started the series, but you didn't watch it for very long, right?
1: No, I I never bothered to watch the series because the movie was so bad. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So maybe with that admonition from TJ, maybe I need to go and revisit it. And maybe there's actually something worth watching there.
0: Uh, Isn't that kind of the attitude that you have to take to approach a show like Doctor Who or Star Wars or even Star Trek 2?
1: Well, I tell you what, that first Star Trek movie with V'ger was really hard to watch, but then they followed it with Wrath of Khan, and you know, that made it, wow, this was great. And so some of, the, some of the Star Treks are good, and some weren't great. Star Wars, of course, the first three episodes should never have been made, but, you know, we don't want to talk about that. <laughs>
0: no, they shouldn't have. That's an episode
1: one, two, and three, not the first, th- not the ones from the 70s and 80s, but the, the, the remakes, oh boy. Prequels, that's what they're called, the prequels.
0: I grew up with the prequels and I knew at the time that I was
1: being suckered. Yeah. Ah, yeah.
0: Well, I grew up with the original trilogy, but I was still very young, you know, between the ages of like nine and 15 while they were making episodes one, two, and three. And I was super excited by episode one, but disappointed. And then with two more so, and then with three, I just really didn't care.
1: (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. So, yeah, we have to... Uh, Yes, it's called The Willing Suspension of Disbelief. We have to go in there just to have a a good time and not think too hard. But again, you got to tell a good story. But you just took a slam on Doctor Who. That's unfair.
0: Okay, so uh, I'll take a step back. I've only watched like the Christmas special episodes because my sister wrote me into them.
1: Oh, come on now. I'm going to tell you this, that just from a TV show standpoint, there's one or two episodes of Doctor Who that are the best standalone episode of any tv show i've ever seen from a writing standpoint just brilliant engaging one of them was scary one of them was just cool in fact one of them made me cry it's like wow that was so good so nice it's worth watching that's It's not perfect some of them are dumb some are just a little gruesome and you know any show is gonna kind of run out of steam and i think they probably should have retired it a couple years ago just said okay we're done
0: Hmm. which season should i start with
1: Oh start start with the, the new season one. The new season one? <laughs> yeah, the new the new show season one, not the old Tom Baker nineteen seventies sort of stuff, which was really good too, from a Hokie okay. standpoint. But yeah, just just start there and just go through it. And you're
0: well, I could I could give it a try. I don't have anything else I'm watching right now. I could give it a right. shot.
1: I mean, I'll just tell you that when Rose gets trapped in a parallel dimension. And he's burning out a star to suck up enough power to project himself into the other dimension just so he could say goodbye. That brought tears to my eyes. It was such a cool concept. And then you're going to see one. Other people are going to know what this is. But when you see the episode Blink with the angels, oh my, that was scary and brilliant and, and just excellent <laughs> okay. writing, just fantastic writing. Best a couple years in before you get there.
0: <laughs> All right. Anyway. Well, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll report back and let y'all know what I think. So you ready to get to today's topic?
1: Yeah. We've been doing all these episodes all this time and just randomly jumping around between cool ideas. And this is an idea that's actually earth-shaking. It makes us um, question what reality is and it makes us question what we're made of. And that's always fun for me. I love those sorts of questions. I actually wrote this in an article that uh, appeared in, in Creation Magazine, oh, 2018, I think. And I just titled it, We are less than dust, as in less than dust. It really
0: disturbs me to ask the question that you mentioned a second ago, make us question what we think reality is. (laughs) That sounds like a bizarro world question. Like, how can that even happen? Because, you know, growing up, we think that the world is the material plus our emotions and experiences. We grow up and we're introduced to knowledge and resources and culture and a wealth of other emotions so we get to the ripe adult age and we think we've got it all figured out and then you're telling me there are sciences that can still make us question everything about reality this sounds very interesting and a kind of i'm feeling intrepid going into this this issue what is this what are you going to tell me
1: well well you remember you read this in the creation article podcast a while ago i don't remember what episode it was oh so3e11 is that season three episode 11 yes It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, it has been.
0: Okay, I remember this one now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And it's weird. Totally weird. Oh, man, I bring something else up. Oh, I should have have, um, looked this up again. A long, long, long time ago, I did some calculations. I said, you know, I am told that there's 10 to the 80th particles in the universe, which means hydrogen atoms mainly. I said, if I took them all and stuck them right next to each other, how big a ball of hydrogen would I have? And the answer was... Not nearly as big as I thought. Then I said, okay, what if I just took the nuclei from those atoms and got rid of all the electrons, just lined up all the nuclei, made a big ball of the nuclei of all the atoms in the entire universe? You know how big that ball would be?
0: Oh, could not fathom it.
1: <laughs> not as big as the universe itself. That's for sure. A lot smaller. It would be smaller than our solar system. Are you kidding me? That's It would be sm-
0: whoa. smaller
1: than the largest star that we know about. How is that
0: even possible?
1: <laughs> when we're talking about <laughs> numbers, big numbers, scale becomes really strange. Okay,
0: are we talking about the traveling distance of the, say, the orbit of Uranus or
1: Pluto? Uh, probably closer to Neptune, maybe.
0: Oh, I, don't remember wow. what the nu- I don't remember
1: what the number was, but it was a sphere of electrons. Oh, sorry, a sphere yeah. of nu- nuclei, which would be impossible. You can't do that. You can't put them next to each other. But if you did, all the matter in the universe... Without the electrons, would fit into something smaller than the radius of our solar system.
0: Ah, that is insane! Whoa! All right. Uh, Speaking of the universe, are we talking about the universe then, or are we talking talking about about matter? The
1: the visible universe.
0: The visible universe, all the way down to like a rock, and all the way up to the largest star.
1: Uh, No, yeah, distant galaxies.
0: Okay, so we're talking about the big stuff, not the stuff on ground level of planet Earth or the moon. Okay,
1: Well, that's included too.
0: Okay, it's included.
1: All right. Yeah.
0: That's a lot to take in. Because even something like the sun seems so enormous. There's this great video that got around uh, months ago of uh, an animator who animated like a slide of all the planets to scale, like show you to scale like here's the smallest moon in the solar system. And we're going to work our way up to the largest of the large celestial bodies. And it shows you the moon and then moves away to show you the scale of the next thing up. And it gets all the way up to the scale of galaxies and nebulas. And it was showing you just how huge the sun is compared to things like Jupiter in the solar system. But then by the time you get to the end of this series of progressing larger and larger space bodies, it makes the sun look insanely small. It's, it's hard to fathom all of this fitting into the space of the solar system. Yeah, we're going to get into more insanely small stuff.
1: You just wait. I've done, I've run some additional calculations besides what's in this article. It's Just called, if you're interested, listener, creation.com, we are less than dust. But this is going to be a good summary of that article. Since has got kicked off. I, I read um, Psalm 103:14, For he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. And I said to myself, huh, dust. What are we actually made of? What is dust made of? And that's when it hit me. It's made of almost nothing. And this is Oof. very humbling and shocking and strange when we realize that our bodies are almost pure, empty space.
0: That is really weird to think about. So can you explain that? Because when you say pure empty space, like I'm looking at my hands right now and my left hand is grabbing hold of my right hand and it doesn't feel like it's empty space.
1: Oh, that's a mirage. <laughs> <laughs> You're not <Okay>. helping. <laughs> so, so you know that we're made up of atoms, right?
0: Yes, that much I learned.
1: Okay. Maybe listeners, like, how do you know that? Okay, listener... Uh, the last 150 to 200 years of experimental science has told us that we are made up of atoms. In fact, back in like, like 1800s, we didn't know what matter was made of. So Rutherford took a lump of gold or lead and he shot a whole bunch of electrons at it. And they went a right through. A whole lot through. of electrons. They, they zip right through the matter. And every once in a while, they'd zing off to the side. And he was using like a phosphorescent screen to see them. So if you had a little electron gun and you shine it out on like a gold foil... It would go right through it, and you'd see a little dot with the screen. Take the foil away, you see a dot. Put the foil in front of it, you still see the same dot. There's no scattering of the electrons. But then every once in a while, he'd get a dot off to the side, which meant the electron hit something. But since most of them didn't hit something, he realized that matter is composed of very tiny little particles that we now call a nucleus, and the nuclei are spaced apart at great distances inside matter.
0: So is the idea that an electron is... Something of substance, but it's just so daggum thin, so small that it can travel through all the other substances then?
1: Yes. Man. Just like a neutrino is so tiny, most of the time it'll go all the way through the earth without striking anything. It just misses. Man. That's that's really (laughs) subatomic particles. I mean, electrons are hard enough and we knew what they were in the 1800s. We didn't have any idea what a neutrino was in the 1800s. That took atom smashers and smashing things together. But all these experiments after all this time has just built and built and built and built and built. There really are, there's no question. There's no scientific uncertainty here. There's not a single data point that tells us that matter might be something different than what we think it is. And that is a tiny little positively charged nucleus surrounded by an electron cloud.
0: So the positive charges is what holds the atoms in the matter together?
1: No, that would be the strong force.
0: The strong force. I'm not familiar with the strong force. Is there a weak force?
1: Yes, there is a weak force and a strong force. Okay. And gravity and electromagnetism. Those are the four fundamental forces that hold everything together or push everything apart. Oh. You see? Okay. You know, like, you can't put two north ends of a magnet right next to each other, right? They push apart. Yeah. Right. Well, you can't put positive charges right next to each other. They fly apart. Positive attracts negative, but positive repels positive. Totally. Okay. So what is it? Well, that how mean? Do you, well <laughs> what it means is if you take a bunch of positively charged protons and shove them together into this little tiny thing called a nucleus, the nucleus should explode. <clears throat> so we have the strong yes, force yeah. holding it together, and it's incredibly strong. And if it didn't exist, we wouldn't have matter.
0: No, no. So I'm going back to the something I heard probably more than 10 years ago. I okay. Remember hearing that Researchers were trying to understand what held atoms together. Was that a research that was going on at the time, or was I li- reading something
1: dated? Um, they've been trying to figure this out for a long time. Like, and we, we call it a force, right? But it might be a particle, like a gluon, or or something that's binding it together. But actually, no, it's, it really is a force. So, sorry, it's not particle-based. It's force-based. And all the experiments are telling us that.
0: It sounds like reality is imitating
1: fantasy now. Uh, it it gets so weird so quickly. When you start getting at the smaller and smaller and smaller dimensions, it, things just don't behave normally anymore. The same way like, you know, we're talking about all these things with Einstein in previous episodes, like Newton was great. All Newtonian physics works wonderfully well until you get to things that are really big or really fast. And then you need Einstein. But on the other end of the scale, Newtonian physics breaks down when you're at the really tiny and really small scales. Oh, and that's okay. where we get quantum physics. Does that have and anything to
0: do with this then? Does uh, does qu- the quantum mechanics or the quantum realm have something to do with the electrons? Like, are electrons in the quantum realm?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, they're on the edge of it.
0: So it's not like they're, we could actually see the quantum realm because it's just so small.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I, I'm going to say that it's smaller than electrons. Okay. Just to keep it wow. real simple. <laughs> But electrons, problem is, see, I, I just made a mistake here because I can't use any other language. No other language works. Electrons have no size. <laughs> okay. So then how did they, they see They have path? a mass. They have okay. a tiny little mass. They must have a tiny little size, but they're so small. It's essentially no size. And that's an, it's just, it gets weird. And that's a weirdness. It's just, we got to just take it as is because all the, all the math and all the experiments say, it's just the way it is, buddy. Just accept it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And that's why if you strip away all the electrons and put all the nuclei together, you get a very small volume. So the electrons are really, 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 really small, which means that, here's the kicker if you have a molecule, you have nuclei separated by vast distances with nothing in between. Because the electrons essentially don't have size. There's a force there. There's electrical force, but there's not really any substance there. Mm. It's
0: hard to fathom because I think one of the reasons this breaks my mind is because I think of electricity and that just means energy to me. And that means something that powers our equipment and technology and our homes and buildings and, and vehicles that doesn't, it doesn't sound like energy could also be holding together matter in arranged orders for things like the fingers on my hand. It doesn't <laughs> sound like energy has anything to do with that.
1: It's all energy, man, all energy. And when, when I start talking about this, I start thinking matrix matrix. Like the movie, the matrix. The movie, the matrix. Okay. Yeah. When everything does disassembles into numbers and, and strange codes and things like that. That's that's what I think of when I when I consider what I'm made of. I'm just an energy ball.
0: So now you're going to have people wondering: Are you saying that reality is a virtual
1: reality? No, it's concrete and physical. But on the other hand, it doesn't mean that this is all there is. It's like you know, people say Jesus walked through a wall. At, you know, during the last uh, during the. um not the Last Supper, but after he rose from the dead, he appeared to all the disciples who were in a locked room. Now it doesn't, the Bible does not say he walked through a wall. It says he appeared to them. But what if he did walk through the wall? Is that because he was a ghost or because he's solid and we're a ghost?
0: So it's like he is a different kind of matter running off of a different kind of physics or off of a different type of dimension?
1: Like he's more real, more physical, more solid than what we consider the physical world.
0: Mm. And you're not saying that he had to be this way, no, it's just no, no, that no, It could no. have been this way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like it's a, so instead of heaven being ghostly and ethereal, it's actually more concrete and we're ghostly and ethereal.
0: I like that theory. I buy that theory more because I don't think that heaven and eternal places are ethereal. Yeah, just ghostly, spiritual dimension. Because uh, spirits don't necessarily have the five senses per se, aside from, well, I mean, most spirits are human and angels, but those are creatures. And so if a human, a creature has a spirit, his spirit isn't able to detect things apart from the physical senses for the most part. Like if I don't have eyes, I cannot see. If I don't have hearing with my ears, I cannot hear. Yes. So I just cannot imagine a spiritual dimension where spirits are able to borrow some of the properties of the physical universe and not have bodies with them to take advantage of the five senses.
1: But that's just it. Angels do have bodies. They are physical. They're they're solid. They can just appear and disappear in our our realm. So the question is, you know, do they have a body just like us or are they like different than us and why? But let's, let's back it down a little bit. Let's talk about us a little bit more because we, gotta, we have to grab reality a little more deeply before we can really understand the whole concept. Imagine an atom. How big is it?
0: <laughs> i don't know that i can quantify this i'm going to say it's smaller than a flake of dust
1: much smaller a, a standard hydrogen atom is a hundred picometers in diameter that's a trillionths of a meter
0: so it's probably well on the scale of like the thickness of a human hair it's still much much thinner
1: <laughs> yeah okay let's talk about big numbers here uh, uh or tiny big tiny numbers a millimeter, right? We've all seen yardsticks or meter sticks, shall we say. And a meter stick has centimeters on it. And it has these little teeny lines. They're called millimeters. There's a thousand of them in a meter. And so it's one thousandth of a meter. Now, in mathematical terms, we say 10 to the negative three. Because a thousand is a one followed by three zeros. Mm-hmm. So a, sa- a thousandth is 10 to the negative three. is 0.001 smaller than that the next big step is a micrometer a millionth of a meter or 10 to the negative (laughs) six smaller than that is a nanometer a billionth of a meter 10 to the negative nine smaller than that is a picometer a trillionth of a meter 10 to the negative 12 it would take a billion hydrogen atoms lined up side by side to make one millimeter <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we take a trillion of them lined up side by side to make a meter. That's how small a picometer is, it's a trillionth of a meter. Now we can get to femtometers and attometers and things like that, but you know, in in science we don't really use those names. We just use the exponent. So 10 to the -9, 10 to the -12, 10 to the -15, 10 to the -18. That's what we say. So a picometer, a trillionth of a meter is 10 to the -12 meters. That's how tiny a hydrogen atom is. You okay with that? <laughs>
0: yeah, it just gets really weird at the scale. Oh,
1: totally <laughs> because, weird. Because
0: if you think of having a lot of hydrogen in a single space the size of a basketball, that's a lot of hydrogen atoms. <laughs> like a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just lied. We do need femtometers. Oh, no, we, we do have to...
0: need femtometers. Oh, don't forget them.
1: Oh, well, we're going to talk about the size of the nucleus So we're going to go down to the quadrillionths of a meter. The size of a nucleus.
0: Nucleus makes me think of, it's some sort of like filmy, you you know, like if you get um, some glue on your fingers and it dries and you kind of rub it off and it looks like dead skin. That's what I think of a nucleus is. Wow. (laughs) What is is a nucleus? think,
1: Think of a walnut, hard, tough, a walnut and just make it. Really, 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 really small. And it has amazing positive (laughs) charge to it.
0: Oh, okay. Very different sort of properties than I pictured.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very different. But the hydrogen nucleus is 2.4 femtometers. 2.4 times 10 to the negative 15 is 2.4 quadrillionths of a meter. That's a, a zero with zero point and then you write 14 zeros Two four. It would take a lot
0: more space to write out the number than it would be to quantify the scale of the, <laughs> the nucleus.
1: Yeah, that's why we don't write numbers like that. We write them in scientific notation. So two point four times ten to the negative fifteenth meters is the diameter of a hydrogen nucleus. That's really tiny.
0: Mm-hmm. The electron. <laughs> yes.
1: It does. The electron is not. There's not like an electron. There's not a physical thing that's an electron it's really it doesn't quite exist as a physical thing in very strange ways and i'm going to i don't really want to explain all the quantum dynamics of it but we just say that it exists as a cloud okay you can't you can't put your finger on and say there's the electron it's it's all places at the same time around the nucleus but the average distance of this cloud is 60,000 times the diameter of the nucleus <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. So in other words, from the nucleus to the edge of the electron cloud is basically nothing, and it's very big compared to the size of to the size of of the nucleus. Right, I'm with you there. Okay, so let's because take,
0: think of it this way: if we take yeah. the smallest thing, the you know, if we're go, going with the scale of the hydrogen and, uh, atom in the nucleus. If we just were able to say, like, honey, we shrunk ourselves and we're down on that scale, can see the hydrogen atom and its nucleus, then we would perceive that the electron, if we had eyes to see it, is bigger. Right? That's what you're saying? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm trying to visualize it here.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure you can visualize it. We could just talk about it and wonder.
0: Okay, if we were Hank Pym from the Ant-Man movie, and we could use the quantum realm shrinker device, <laughs> okay, yeah, then it would look a lot bigger than we would if we could get ourselves on that scale.
1: I don't think you can see the electron, but if you touch the electron cloud, it would all absorb into you, and you get a big shock.
0: Okay,
1: imagine it's, yeah, like, a, it's like a it's like a fog. You know, it's a fog, but if you touch it, the whole fog goes <laughs> and sucks into your finger.
0: Ouch. So that, does that mean that electrons are when once they're absorbed where do they go does that mean they just don't exist anymore or can they
1: recycle Oh that would that would be another topic for another day what happens to electrons and protons and, and photons that's really some cool stuff but no basically they, they usually get captured by another atom and now you have an ion or oh. maybe you neutralize an ion and you now have a, a, a well-balanced atom okay electrons get passed around in biology a lot. This whole electron transport chain um, that, that we use to make energy all the time. We got a, a vague idea of how small an atom is. Now, let's talk about a molecule. Like the most well, common molecule. significantly bigger, right? Well, yes. H2. Hi- two hydrogens stuck together. It's about 74 picometers in diameter. Or the, the most common bond in the body is probably the hydrogen-carbon bond. That's about 109 picometers. So... A bond between it, two atoms is about 100 picometers in diameter. This giant electron cloud, and inside it two tiny little nuclei. Let's blow it up and let's magnify it so we can see how far apart these nuclei really are. Let's make one nucleus as large as the sun.
0: Okay. That's how far big. away is
1: how far away is the other nucleus? Oh. So when we draw molecules, you draw two circles and you draw a line between them, right? Yeah. So make one circle as big as the sun. Where's the other circle? Is it as far away as Mercury? I'm guessing farther. It's actually 14 times further away than Pluto. What? That is a lot of space. <laughs> These two suns would be 100 billion miles apart. And in between is nothing but empty space.
0: That's not if we could quantify the scale then that's not, say, like the scale of one light year or something like that?
1: Um, oh, hey, let me look that up. 100 billion kilometers light years. It's a tenth of a light year. Still pretty far. So it's about a light month apart. <laughs> wow.
0: That is astounding.
1: <laughs> okay. So, but at that scale, how big would the sun be? If you were standing on one of these suns and looking at the other one, how big would it be? Well, from Earth, oh, man. Yeah. from Earth, the, the sun is a half a degree. That's how wide the sun is from Earth. It's a half a degree. That's just a cool number to know. Well, at Jupiter, Jupiter is five times further away than the Earth. The sun would be one-fifth the size. It'd be 0.1 degree. Ooh, that's tiny. Be a bright little teeny dot. What about a Pluto? At Pluto, it would be one one hundredth of a degree. I mean a degree. If you look at a, a, a protractor and you look at the little degree marks, you can see how far apart they are. Yeah. But you couldn't tell one one hundredth of a degree. Your eye could never focus on that. It's just too small. Well, if you're if you're 14 times further away, you're talking about point zero 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 nine degrees. You could not measure the width of this thing. It's so tiny. So
0: clearly we're not standing on it then. <laughs>
1: well, true. But if you could make yourself like really, maybe you're in a, maybe you're on planet Earth, and you're looking at this other star that, that's connected to this molecule or this other nucleus, we're calling a star, and it's so far away, the other yeah. star yeah, yeah. would be one, say, ten, hundred, one, one thousandth of a degree in width. That's how hmm. big the nuclei are compared to each other in a standard molecule.
0: Man, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> so small.
1: And in between, there's nothing. And therefore, we're made of empty space. So
0: I'm thinking then that for all of the atoms, for yeah. all of the atoms, that there's there's a lot of atoms. Yes. Is that what it kind of boils down to? Is that on that scale, for like all the atoms of my hand, there's... I mean, has anybody even quantified how many atoms there would be in a particular type of object? Oh, yeah. Like, could yeah, we yeah. say how many atoms there are in a baseball? Yep. Or could we say how many atoms there are in an old-fashioned
1: marble? Yep. Yep, that's standard chemistry and physics, yeah. Be- and in fact, But even though the number would be pretty high, it's also relatively low. Um, no, if you count them, it's a phenomenally large number. And we don't even use regular numbers. We say it's so many moles. So many moles? Why moles? Who well, chose a guy that term? <laughs> there's a guy named Mole who, who figured this out. Um, oh, one mole of course, is six times 10 to the 23. So if you took one gram of hydrogen, well, see, let me get that straight. Let me get this straight. Um, because hydrogen is just made up of a proton and an electron, a standard hydrogen atom... If you had 6 times 10 to the 23 of them, you'd have one gram.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's still a
1: lot, yeah. Carbon weighs, uh, I believe, 18 atomic mass units. So if you had 6 times 10 to the 23 carbon atoms, you'd have 18 grams.
0: And it takes just 17 grams of coffee beans to brew myself a cup of coffee.
1: (laughs) You can calculate the number of grams of caffeine from that figure right there
0: oh that is so cool all
1: right so all this is crazy stuff but the point is when you're looking at something you're li- literally like your hand is 999999999999 percent empty space
0: that is so weird that is so so weird
1: so how do you everything see your hand? Everything physical and empty? material,
0: yeah, everything physical and material feels so solid.
1: Yeah, and it's so empty. Uh, James 4.14, what is your life for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes? Ouch. Very, very careful observations in scripture. How do we see things? If we're almost emptiness, if we're almost nothingness, how do we feel and touch Rob,
0: I'm just looking at my hand and waiting for it to vanish in front of my eyes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it can't because there is an electron cloud surrounding all those little teeny nuclei and the photons coming from the light. Uh, you might, is it, do you have sunlight coming through your window or do you have a lamp turned on? In the I room? do. I have both. Okay. So the, the photons streaming from the sun and flying through your window, striking your hand and bouncing off, that's what you're seeing. You're seeing photons reflected from an electromagnetic shield. It's a cloaking device. Oh man! You're cloaked. <laughs> Whoa! And <laughs> I didn't know. If you could strip away those photons, it it would. Uh, have you ever seen a loofah? One no. of those sponges. The, the, it's it's a it's a rough scrubby thing that ladies use in a shower to buff off you know loose skin and oh, stuff like yeah. that. Oh so, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that used to be a gourd.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of him right now. It's, it's classified as a vegetable.
1: Yeah, you get rid of the gourd parts and it's this tough skeleton on the inside. That's much more substantial than your hand. In other words, if you, if you stripped away, got rid of the photons that were reflecting and stripped away the electron clouds, your hand would be less than a loofah. It
0: doesn't much even much, look less. like that much. Yeah, it, it looks spongy. It looks like it's got lots of holes in it.
1: Yeah, but the holes, yeah. you have more hole than you have substance in your hand. There's nothing there. That is
0: so weird. And it's an ugly plant, too. Oh.
1: Yeah. So, take a brick and smack your head with it.
0: Or don't. (laughs) Why not? Imagine you did.
1: A brick is empty. (laughs) Your head is empty.
0: Well, not empty enough. Why? My head tells me it's not very empty.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but what is your head detecting? It's detecting so many nuclei surrounded by so many electron clouds, and it happens to be a lot of them relatively, in a small area, small volume. So if you slack, smack your head with a marshmallow, you know you wouldn't even feel it. The a brick's a little different because it's so much denser. But even at that density, it's still almost empty. It's a little bit more dense than a marshmallow. Marshmallow's a little bit more dense than a cloud. But comparatively, there's still nothing there. Mm. <laughs> Psalm That's 89, 47. Remember how short my time is for what vanity you've created all the children of man. (laughs) Sorry, laughing just because when we consider our mortality and we consider reality, all of a sudden we realize that reality is really tenuous.
0: Man, it is difficult to think that this is just a constant that envelops everything and everything is built on. It is the foundational level. It's difficult to perceive it this way. I think growing up in a world not knowing these sorts of things and then learning about them sometimes is harder than just moving forward with reality as we imagine it so, but it's actually not consistent with reality if we don't buy these things. You talked about the suspension of disbelief earlier. I have a problem closing the gap (laughs) for belief.
1: (laughs) But most people don't consider these things because they're so uncomfortable. It really is oh, yeah. theoretical scientists to sit around. Hey, you ever wonder about X, Y, or Z? Oh, that's really strange. Well, yeah, that's really what we're made of. No way. Um, most people don't like the thought because first of all, the math is hard. Second of all, you have to believe things like atom smashers and atomic theory. And, you know, most people are like, how do they even know that? I mean, I remember sitting in high school chemistry class and I said to myself, how does he know that? That can't be true. I think he's just making this up. I was thinking those thoughts because what he was telling me is just nuts. My teacher was telling me some story about he was trying to clean his window and he didn't have the proper window cleaner, but he had a really strong acid. And so he, he put it on a, a rag wearing gloves and he wiped out on his window and really quickly wiped it off and sprayed it down with water because he didn't want to pit his windows. <laughs> like, how does anyone know that? Oh, come on. He's Plus, then again, it was really kind of dumb because it would have kind of like you know decayed the the glue. This whole what's that stuff called? The mastic, the the, uh, the putty, the whatever's holding the window pane in place. He's hitting it with the acid, man. That's kind of dumb. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the caulking. Yeah. That's oh. right, the caulking. But then again, the acid could have had zero effect on the caulking. It all depends on the chemistry. It's true.
0: It's true. Huh.
1: Weird. Wow. Anyway. All this crazy, cool, fun, amazing, lovely stuff. And yet, even though we're made of nothing but a vapor, God made us for a reason.
0: Yeah. Puts our lives into perspective
1: that he wants us. Yeah. Even though we're empty and we're just a shell of nothingness. uh, Psalm 8. uh, Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands and to put all things under his feet. Mm. Incredible. Listener, I know that can be hard to listen to because everything gets really strange really fast, but we are really important in God's sight. And even though, you know, this material world we live in is really a vapor, there's a purpose for it. It is real. It's as real as it's ever going to seem. It's not like it's a mirage. It's not like it's fake. It's not, you know, Eastern religion sort of stuff, but there is a God who did create us and he made us for a purpose. And if you don't know that God, Joe and I want you to know that God. So contact us if you want. Absolutely. Uh, go to creation.com, look it up. Uh, go find a Christian to talk to. Ask them what it all means. Because some really, really cool and interesting and amazing and fun things still to discover. And when your eyes are open to the other side of reality, to the spiritual side, it's a, a completion sort of thing. Because I know in my own life, I was empty and searching and felt so alone until I met this God.
0: hmm On that note, thank you so much for joining us on this quest. And you can definitely catch up with Rob to discuss these things, or you can send questions to us if you want us to discuss these things more on the podcast. Let us know what you think. If you want to dig deeper into the topics, you can find links to the stuff that we have discussed on this episode in the notes on the website. Hop over to nightowl.fm slash equinox slash 15. Or if you're right there, the show notes are also with this episode in your podcast app. And you should also check out Rob's science videos at biblicalgenetics.com, his Facebook page, or his YouTube channel, where you can see the videos and join discussions about the topics he brings up there in the comments with the other people watching the show. And if you want to catch up with me, I'm also on Twitter at jcsdarnell. Until next time, goodbye, Rob. Goodbye, Joe. And thanks everyone for listening to Equinox.